You're listening to the Broken Meeple Podcast, Season 4, Episode 7, recorded on the 9th of June 2020. Stay safe and support each other. The Broken Meeple Podcast, a show devoted to board games, card games, and the people who play them. Sit back and enjoy, and remember, it's only a game. Hey folks, sorry it's been a while since I've done one of these podcasts. Yes, it has been some time and there are a few reasons for that which should be fixed in the near future. Firstly, primarily, the daily content I've been putting out has been somewhat of a uh, big workload. Now, it was my choice to do this, but basically I've been putting out those shelf-by-shelf videos and you've all been very, very positive about that. So great, I don't regret doing that series at all. And it's been quite fun to do, just to go over my collection and just talk about the games I like. But there's 48 shelves and there's two top shelves that I'm going to do in two separate videos. So that's 50 videos. If I was to do that on my normal release schedule, then you probably wouldn't get to the end of my shelf until some point 2021. And as a result, the collection would have probably changed a great deal by then. So halfway through the list, it would then become redundant. So that kind of meant that I had to put these ones out very, very quickly and do them in bulk. Now we're almost done. I think the last one I did was shelf 43. So that leaves me with 44 to 48, and then the two top shelves. So it won't be long before that series is done. And as a result, once that is done, I will revert back to my usual schedule release of releasing content. Now, unfortunately, my life is too unpredictable to be able to say, oh, every Saturday you get something. But basically, I try to release no more than two videos a week, one a week if I can help it, but two a week is typically the max I'll do. It depends on the size of the video. Like, a top 10 list takes me a long time to record and edit, so that tends to be the one a week thing. Whereas a review takes a little bit less time, so I could fit in two, but then doing something like an app video or a vlog or, you know, even a podcast episode in a sense takes a bit less time, so that's when I can do two a week. But I need to get back to that regime at some point for more reasons, but, you know, otherwise I'm going to hit burnout again and I don't want to do that. So yeah, the podcast has been a little bit delayed, but the other reason for not having done a podcast episode recently is just I haven't necessarily known what to talk about. <laughs> the problem is, is that because of COVID and everything, it's there's not a lot happening in the gaming world. I haven't seen many conversations on Facebook to get in, and in terms of playing games, there's not a lot of new games to play. It's more just the same stuff you play, but now you're trying to do it over Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator, and I kind of ran out of topics. And also, as of you know, today, there's been a bit of a dry up in terms of questions for Q&A. So by all means, if you want me to just, even if you just want me to release an episode that's Q&A, then by all means, give me some questions. You know, direct message me on Twitter or just tweet me them directly, you know, in public because then other people can be aware or put them in the YouTube comments for this particular video. Um, if, you're, if you're listening to this on YouTube, then by all means do that. Uh, failing that, you know, just try and get in touch with me however way you can. I'll certainly like to answer as many questions as possible. Today I want to just say, well, there's a lot happening with the channel. 
a lot happening behind the scenes, shall we say. I've been playing games and doing stuff, but I've done some heavy investment lately. You know, I mean, the more this channel barely pays its overheads, and that's overheads as in running costs of IT subscriptions for the main part. You know, most review copies of games I have to buy myself, so, you know, that's money out. And when it comes to high-tech IT equipment, the Patreon barely has anything left over to help that, you know, hence why I keep crying out for everybody to support the Patreon, but also, you know, IT equipment is expensive, so I can only get so much from it. But what I've been doing is that I've been purchasing some additional equipment because I want to not change what I do, but I just want to see what other content I can add. And I've certainly looked heavy into streaming. Now, I did a poll recently and only half percent of, you know, 50% of the people that voted were interested in streaming content. Now, this is not that unexpected because people are kind of like, oh, I don't really care about streaming because I can't make the time or it's not important, just record it. And some people quite like the idea. I feel there was enough people there and enough people out there who haven't subscribed to the channel that are interested in the content, so I do want to try and do some live streaming. Now, I'm not going to go ape with it. You know, this is not going to be like, oh, like everything I do is now done live or anything, because like I say, unpredictable life. But I would like to at least give it a shot, even if it's just for basic stuff like a chat or a Q&A, because other people do it and they seem to manage fine, so I'd like to think I can learn it. But what I've done is I've purchased a laptop, so I have a gaming laptop. It seems to be pretty powerful for what I need. Unfortunately, it does have a rather loud fan noise in it. So if anybody knows how to turn the fans off or down in a G7 Dell Gaming 7790 laptop, that would be great. Otherwise, I'll just have to see where I position the laptop in relation to a microphone so that you don't constantly hear the fan noise in the laptop when I'm trying to do a stream. On top of that, I've also purchased um, another webcam. So I already have a Logitech C920 webcam on my PC for general um, stuff I do with uh, chit chat. But I've now bought the new stream cam from Logitech because I wanted to have a couple. I, want, I didn't want to have to constantly like switch one over. And the C920 is still good, but I just want the best quality I can get right now. And so I bought the streaming cam, which I will use with the new laptop. So that's going to be my primary means of streaming. Now, I do have uh, this Rode Podcaster microphone that I might be able to hook up for an audio source. I've got a clamp that has been redundant on my desk by my PC for ages because, well, I don't really use it because it's right above my PC tower. But I could clamp it to the Geekerson table and use that as an audio source for streaming. So if that helps, that could give pretty good audio. But then I could also maybe look into a shotgun. Um, I've already got the shotgun mic. And if I'm really desperate, I could maybe buy a Blue Yeti microphone because everyone keeps going on about that. But the last time I bought a Blue Yeti, I remember being in the old flat and it just picked up everything. It picked up everything that was inside, that was in the walls, even outside across the street. It seemed just like far too sensitive for my liking. But I don't know, maybe it's improved over time, but we'll see. But yeah, I've got open broadcaster software downloaded on the laptop and I'm going to have to take some time to get to grips with it. So you may, I don't know how this works, but you may see some test streams go up every now and again on YouTube. This will literally just me plugging in the laptop and the stuff and just seeing how it works because I am a complete noob to streaming. I watch streams now and again, but I have never done my own live stream. So this is completely new territory for me. 
So if you do see a test one though go up and you just happen to be browsing YouTube, then by all means, jump in the chat or whatever it is and just say hi or give me some advice because that's probably what it will be. It will be a bit of a learning curve, but eventually I look forward to be able to do some streaming content. Now, on top of the streaming thing, there is another benefit the laptop might give me because armed with my DSLR camera, my mobile phone, which I've been using for videos lately, uh, the new stream cam and possibly even borrowing the webcam from the other PC, I might be able to do some solo play videos easier. Because if the problem is I can't bring the desktop into the gaming room and without a hub, it makes the solo plays very difficult. But whether I do this for live stream in the future is another thing. I might be able to adapt it to that. But having the laptop there so I can see what's going on as well as hook up the webcam in an angle and you know see the board as well as myself might allow me to do dual channel like dual visual channel um, uh, solo plays so you'll be able to see my face talking as well as the game itself because otherwise you can kind of only do one or the other and that just seems a little bit naff so I'm doing a lot of experimenting on that front and hopefully it will result in something cool, but this is why I need to get these videos done very quickly so I can get some spare time to actually do that because currently I have no spare time to do that because I'm doing all the other stuff in my life. But on top of that, I'm also going to experiment with some new, new uh, video uh, stuff for the reviews and the top 10. So I've got some extra music off the internet. I've got... Uh, here are some other templates to use. I'm hopefully not going to be changing the intros to my videos because I like those intros and it takes a long time to do one of those. So to have to scrap one and change it to something else seems like a waste of my time. But I'll certainly be looking into a different, maybe like a different visual medium. Because at the moment, I've just literally put my mobile phone on a ring light and use that. That's good for my shelf-by-shelf -shelf videos, but I don't think it works very well for my top uh, tens or reviews. Certainly not from a professional aspect. Especially when you realize that because you're looking at me at an angle, you're seeing the whole back of the room, which just seems like a waste of space in the picture. So I have, hopefully, managed to go back to my DSLR for doing uh, reviews and top tens. You'll be able to see me more close up because what I have done is I have invested, again, more money out of this one, in a Sigma, was it a Sigma 18 to 35 millimeter 1.8 aperture lens. Anybody who knows anything about cameras will hopefully recognize that as being one of the most highly rated uh, like lenses you can pick up for a typical crop sensor camera. It's uh, mounted for Canon. Now, if you know nothing about camera lenses, and believe me, I'm not exactly an expert myself, this basically gives me not only a focus length, which is ideal for the cramped space I have, 18 to 35 millimeters is great, but it also doesn't have such a wide field of view that it's the fishbowl effect like I have with the wide angle lens. Because that one, people complain that I look like Mr. Fantastic in there. And it's like, yeah, that was kind of true. This one keeps the, the field of view quite narrow though. So you don't get that extending effect. But you can still get close to me. So half the screen will be taken up by me as a person rather than bit of the room taken up by me and then the rest of it just being the shelf. And on top of that, it is a very low aperture, which means I can do the bokeh effect. You know, the bit where you blur the background slightly. Now, I know in the past I've had a bit of a hit and miss relationship with that effect because of using a like the wrong setup, basically. You know, trying to do it with a lens that isn't best suited for it or just not taking the time to really get the focus right. I am hoping that with this new decent lens, I'll be able to reuse that bokeh effect 
and get back into the swing of it because it does look very nice when you get it right. And I just need to get it to a point where it's like, right, if I set it up here, I will be in focus. If I hold anything up game-wise, I'll be in focus. Although, ideally, I'd rather not be holding the game up for you because, frankly, I think I can do a better job just by taking a lot of photos. And the photo transitions will be a bit more action-orientated, so it'll be not just a cheap little fade in and a still picture I'll try and have it like move across the picture I'll try and take better photos you know I just want to try and up the quality of the channel as I've been doing all the time you know I still get like shivers when I look over my season two even some of my season three material where I tried new things and it was an upgrade in quality but season four was definitely a big jump up for me and now we're still in season four because technically my seasons are based on calendar years but the second half of season four, I would like to try and take it to a new level so that when season five comes along after Christmas, it'll be like, wow, you probably won't even be able to recognize the show if you looked at the old stuff. You know, it'd be really cool. Of course, stuff like this takes time. It's a learning curve. I've got to do my best. Although the fact that we are in a COVID situation at the moment does give me the opportunity to do it because reviews are kind of on the dry side in terms of game releases. And of course, hopefully, you know, with Essen and that being cancelled, this will slow things down around that period. So, yeah, there's an absolute ton behind the scenes I am trying to do for the benefit of the channel, and hopefully it will all pay off. So in terms of actual games, is there really anything I've been playing lately that's new? Well, sort of, little bits and pieces here and there. I have recently acquired a copy of Tang Garden, which I have not had a chance to play, but I intend to play it, and once I've given it enough of the beans, I will review it. In terms of games that I've played and reviewed, you can go onto my YouTube channel and check out my reviews for Edge of Darkness, as well as Solar Storm, and uh, the, the, the Seventh Continent. Just put up a really big review of Seventh Continent, and, you know, hopefully that'll be good fun for you. It's a interesting mixed bag, that one. But the reviews are still going to come up when I can think of games to review. Unless you just want me to review stuff that's on my shelf that I haven't reviewed before. I'm perfectly up for that. You know, if there is a game on my shelf that you have asked about a lot and would like to know more, and I haven't reviewed it on YouTube already, I will look into it. But what have I been playing? Yes, that's what you want to know. Well, I've been doing some app work and recently I have acquired Steam codes for the Imperial Settlers Roll and Write uh, app version as well as the new Digi Diced Viticulture Essentials app that has just been released. I intend to do review slash playthroughs of those as soon as I can figure out how to get Reflector to work on my PC so I can screen share the app to my PC screen and then record the screen via Camtasia. That's my plan, but um, I haven't tried the Viticulture one yet, but I have tried the Imperial Settlers one, and it's okay. The app is still pretty good. Imperial Settlers Roll and Write, if you've not seen my review, is basically a mini engine builder with a Roll and Write stance applied to it. You roll dice, you get resources, you build these buildings, you you know complete these tracks in order to get points, but it also allows you to put these blueprints based on the buildings you've built onto it in order to get more bonuses and that. It's a decent little game, but not without its flaws, and it's vastly superior to play solitaire than it is in multiplayer. The app is decent. It helps you track what's going on, which is a good benefit. It looks pretty, and it's relatively smooth in operation. The problem it has, though, is that, uh, well, 
the problem is with Imperial Settlers Royal Right in general, actually, is the favour tokens are not balanced enough. You know, you've got five, I think, that are available, possibly six, and usually there are two that are picked all the time. Like, I can't see many reasons why you wouldn't pick these two, especially in solitaire mode. So, in multiplayer mode, it's a different story, but when you're playing by yourself, you're pretty much just spamming the same favour token. Also, the tutorial is horrendous. Now, they have released an update yesterday uh, yesterday on this, but I don't know what the update brought. But the tutorial was abysmal. Literally, it will barely teach you the game at all. This app is clearly just, you know, clearly there to, for mainly for people who know how to play the game. So if you are new to the game, you might have a little bit of a learning curve just reading the rulebook that's within the app. But once you get past those little foibles, the app itself is decent. I mean, you can whip through a game of it in 10 minutes flat, if that, and it's just super, super fast, and there's plenty of content in there. Plus, for £3.50, it's not that expensive for an app. Uh, what else? Um, also, Seven Wonders Duel. Now, uh, Repost Production have released solo print-and-play rules for it. There is also a website, I believe, that you can... You have to ask on Facebook about this one, but I believe there is a website where you can get the like the card deck that you flip in order to resolve what the Automna does as a website rather than having to do the print-and-play thing. Personally, I'd rather just have the print-and-play thing because then I've got the physical component in front of me and it means that I can go anywhere with it, it means other people can use it, that kind of thing and you don't have to worry about internet signal. But with this edition, it basically allows you to play Seven Wonders Duel solo. So Seven Wonders solo. Or is it Seven Wonders Duel solo? <laughs> it's kind of, kind of a weird name. But this is actually really good. It's very simplistic. You choose one of five AI opponents, and they have a deck of cards that dictates how they draft from those cards in the middle. Other than that, though, the game works in a similar manner. They start off with less wonders, but they get cards for free, which is annoying, and you basically have to beat them either by the auto-victory conditions or points. You flip over a card, and it dictates left to right, and also dictates whether they go for a green card first, a red card first, or their specific AI card first, which is dictated by the card you chose. So Caesar, for example, goes after purples. Uh, Humarabi, or whatever his name is, goes after yellows, you know, that kind of thing. And it basically has a priority. So you look from left to right and go, oh, he wants a red in preference. Okay, there are no reds. Okay, he wants green in preference. Okay, da, 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 da. ah, there's the green. Right, and that's how you basically get their cards, but they get them for free. So they haven't got to worry about resources. And of course, they're pumping up the reds, they're pumping up the greens. You've got to really pay attention to the auto victory conditions. It's a really good mode though. I mean, it is super simple to implement. You know, the rule book for it is very small and there's not a lot to print out. You've got to print out a couple of pages worth of uh, cards for the deck and they're, you know, a couple of pages to do the, uh, what do you call them, the characters. Apart from that, that's it. There's really minimal effort, especially if, like me, you've got an own personal laminator to laminate it afterwards. So now I can play Seven Wonders Duel Solo, and I found it really good fun. It is very challenging, though. These these are not a walkover AIs, and there's a couple in there that people have got like gone out and said these are really hard. Like these are advanced expert mode AIs. And I can see why. Some of them get extra turns depending on which cards come out of the deck and they can really mess you over, Bilkus in particular. But, you know, there's five to choose from, and you you know, you can have, at least you know it won't be easy regardless of which one you pick. But now I get to play one of my favourite games ever as a solo mode. 
what's bad to say about that for minimal effort minimal effort for PMP now if you really want to have minimal effort and you just go and find that website then by all means go and find the website but personally I like to just have the physical thing in the box and it fits very nicely in the insert that's already in there as well so it's not like you've got to worry about space but yeah if you like someone just do and you want to try it out solo I highly recommend the PNP expansion for it and if you want to see it in action go check out the dice tower and watch Z Garcia's solo play video of it it will pretty much tell you everything you need to know it's a pretty good resource Potion Explosion has recently um, come on to Board Game Arena, for those who are fans of the game, and I like it, but it has gone down a little bit in recent years. How long it will stay in the collection, I don't know, but it is a simple gateway game. Well, gateway, maybe next step game, but it's not that difficult, particularly if they know Candy Crush. The implementation online is decent. I mean, it works fine. It handles a lot of stuff for you. There are one or two slightly counterintuitive UI features in it, which you'll get used to. But the problem with this is that it's basically just there to allow you to play it online. Because sadly, it doesn't alleviate the one big negative with the game that you have from the physical version. And that's the time factor. This game with three or four players is too much of a time sink because the AP this can generate is obscene and the online version doesn't speed the game up anymore because it's all down to the player's thinking. And you can't help it. In a three or four player game, the, the state of that dispenser changes so dramatically that you can't help but have to you know, wait till your turn before you think. And then you've got to try and consider all the combinations there. And it's just, it takes a while. So even when you're there, you know, at least when you're in the middle of um, in the middle of a table, for example, you can basically talk to each other and pass the time. When you're online, though, unless you're on a Discord server with your friends, you can't easily do that. So if you play this with randoms, you could be waiting there for a long time for your turn to come round, and that's not a good thing. In fact, Potion Explosion might be one of the games that's best suited to turn-based mode. But then I don't like playing games on turn-based mode because it takes forever for the game to finish. So it's it's a decent implementation, but it's not necessarily going to win me back to Potion Explosion anytime soon. It just gives me another option, which with some people I know who refuse to get anything on Tabletop Simulator, it's like, oh, right, we're on Board Game Arena again. All right, well, Potion Explosion's a new one, so maybe, why not? And while we're on the subject of Board Game Arena, they also released Rallyman GT on there. Now, I'd never played this game before Board Game Arena, so this was an opportunity. Played it solo, played it multiplayer a few times. Is that it? That doesn't seem like much. It's not bad. I mean, you basically... Uh, it's a push-your-luck racing game. So you map out on the track where you're going to move, and based on where you go, there's like, you know, you need to be at lower speeds and stuff, a bit like in Snowtails. And... You roll the dice for each bit and then it's about not getting the exclamation marks so that you don't spin out or crash or something. So it's push your luck dice basically. So there's a ton of luck involved even though you can mitigate the luck a little bit by doing burnouts on, well not burnouts what they call like full speed heads on uh, previous rolls which basically means that rather than roll the dice one at a time you roll them all at once and hope that you don't spin out. So it's relatively simple in terms of rules but it just didn't seem that fun not compared to a lot of other racing games i mean in a solo game it's literally just a time trial whoopee doo i mean it really isn't that entertaining solo so you play multiplayer but with two or three players there just isn't enough contention on the track and as soon as you get a runaway leader you will never catch them up 
even though there is a weird thematic element that when you're out in front, you sort of move a bit slower than the person behind you because you've only got so many dice. It's kind of weird. But when you have four or five players playing, it does improve because you have restrictions on where you can move and how you can overtake. And so you want people to be kind of like close to each other and boxed up and restricting movement. You want a bit of that. But then it takes a while for the game to finish and it kind of outstays its welcome a little bit, which, you know, particularly if you've got players new to it who overthink things. So I I wasn't too blown away by this. I mean, I would I would have much rather had Downforce on there. You're going to put Rallyman on there. What happened to Downforce? That would have been a much better racing game on there. And I would gladly play that in an electronic implementation. At the moment, there's only Tabletop Simulator. And the problem is, I like to play Downforce with about five or six people. Trying to find five or six people that all have Tabletop Simulator that are willing to play a quick game like Downforce on there. It's unlikely. Very unlikely. And no Snowtails? No, no other racing game that would have been pretty good, but no, for some reason, Rallyman. It's an old design, it's been updated a little bit, but yeah, you can kind of see the flaws with it. And the same, I didn't think it was bad, but I was expecting a lot more, because this one does have some diehard fans, and I don't quite get the diehard fandom of it. But as I say, not bad, give it a try, rules are very simple, you'll have to read the rule book a bit, but didn't take me long to absorb it, and so maybe it'll be something for you, it just wasn't really something for me. Okay, I'd better get on with questions, because I need to get back to work soon, I'm literally doing this on my lunch break from working from home. So, looking at a couple of questions here. Do you believe that life will return to normal in terms of gaming once the COVID struggle is over? Once we're able to return to game cafes, do you believe that people will more favor the use of online streaming and online methods to play games and that will lose a bit of that social interaction? This was a fear at first, however, the more we're getting through this COVID thing, the more we're having to struggle with being on our own and not being able to see people we care about, I don't see this being an issue. Now, yes, it will be cool to have these online games, you know, as an alternative to what we do. So like, oh, I can't go out for whatever reason, uh, the cafe's shut, or, you know, people are miles away like in other countries. It's a good way to play games with them. So I think it will still have a use. And the fact that more people have, you know, adapted to it, I think it's going to still be quite a heavy use. But it's not going to replace anything, no. No, no, no. Certainly not in my case. I want to go back to these game cafes badly. I want to go back to my club nights. I mean, I've got club nights and, you know, I usually sort of cherry pick who I play games with in a sense. But then I also have a lot of games I can bring. Not necessarily just review copies. I can have a lot off my shelf. But if I'm online, I'm restricted because, particularly with my Portsmouth club... I can only play the same games all the time because they all most of them are only stuck on Board Game Arena, which means there's only so many games that get played. And the same happens with the Southampton group. A lot of them can only do Board Game Arena, which means it's the same games over and over again. And any game played over and over again is going to get stale. So if the group of people that I can play on Tabletop Simulator with are playing their own game, or they pre-arranged it, which feels a little bit hurtful, but oh well, you know, is like, oh, you know, I can't do anything. 
I can't do anything. So I feel like, right, well, is this a night where I'm just going to be playing Seven Wonders for the umpteenth time in its base version alone? Or can I play something different? And it's like, or should I just not bother turning up for the night? And that just doesn't work for me online. And on top of that, playing games online is not the most fun way to do it anyway. Now, if I know you, or if you're on Discord and that, I can get to know you. But sometimes you can just play games online and they're not on Discord or they haven't got very good voice connections and it just feels very impersonal. You don't feel like you're knowing who it is you're gaming with. Now you get lucky on occasion but sometimes you don't and especially if somebody is showing you a game where you know you've never seen the game before so you're still getting used to the UI for that particular game but they know it like, like crazy. They could just be rushing through it like crazy and you're just sitting there going, oh, I, I guess I'm having fun. I don't know. Uh, you just took that away from me. What was that? And works are even worse for like the LCGs because the people who use the LCGs online know it like the back of their hand. But I might look at it and go, okay, so what's this mod doing in that? Oh, you've already taken all my stuff. Oh, great. That was, that was fun then. No, no, no. Not going to happen. As soon as game cafes can open again, I am going back to them and I will teach games, I will play games, I will take stuff out of my collection I've wanted to play for ages. I will be getting back into the social time so fast as <laughs> I cannot wait. You know, if somebody wants to play a game with me online, fine. But it's going to be a secondary means. By no means is it going to be primary. I mean, I'm, I want to go to these cafes and I want to open my doors and say, Right, we can all mingle together, lads. Come on by. Weather's fine. I got the wine. I got the games. And I got the table. So let's play. Please. Please, please come round, please. It's like, ugh. I'll be desperate. So... Yeah, I don't think this is going to replace gaming for the vast majority of people, but it certainly is going to be an alternative to the, like, in your social. But I think for most people, if you gave them the option on a Wednesday night to say, do you want to play games with us on Discord, or do you want to meet with us in the cafe and play a game face-to-face, -face, I think the vast majority would pick the face-to-face -face one. I just think we miss that social interaction, and we kind of need it right now. Next up, what music do you listen to at board game nights or days? Do you prefer just to play in silence or do you like ambient music in the background? This one kind of varies based on the game. Now, for a normal game, I'm not that fussed. You know, sometimes I play with music. It might even just be pop culture music or just my instrumental stuff just to have something on in the background. But uh, if you're talking about thematic music, it depends heavily on the game and whether it warrants it. Like, I'm not opposed to it. I'll happily play it. I mean, you want to play a game of Catan and put on uh, Sirenscape or whatever it's called, Sirenscape, with the ambient sounds of villagers, you know, packing horses, I'll gladly do it. I think it adds to the experience as long as the music isn't distracting. But the only ones that I tend to put ambient music on are usually the games where they're based on intellectual properties. So, you know, they have their own soundtrack. The two biggest, well, the three biggest contenders for this would be Arkham Horror LCG, uh, Lord of the Rings LCG, and Marvel Champions, or any other Marvel-related game, I guess. Those ones typically will have soundtracks I put on, because with uh, Marvel Champions, I can put on any superhero film soundtrack from the MCU and have a good time. With Lord of the Rings, I put on the extended edition trilogy soundtrack on YouTube, which is like six hours worth of music, and I just let that play through. So I get ambient, you know, Lord of the Rings music while playing Journeys in Middle-earth or the, yeah, Journeys in Middle-earth or the uh, Lord of the Rings one. Although more so with the LCG because the 
the Journeys of Middle-earth has its own soundtrack in a sense with the app. But then you could just turn that off and, you know, listen to proper soundtrack. Arkham Horror, slightly different story. There's a lot of people on YouTube who have put these, like, Cthulhu-themed soundtracks on. And it's, like, weird, creepy horror music. And it's, you know, it's not specific artists or anything. It's more just, like, instrumental tracks. I do like putting them on now and again with the Arkham Horror one because you want to get into that horror atmosphere. You know, you want to try and make set the mood and go with it. Mansions of Madden, the 2nd edition, kind of already has the music on the soundtrack, so on, on the um, iPad, so I kind of just use that. And that tends to work for me. But there are other games that you could do this for. I mean, any sci-fi space game could have a sci-fi soundtrack of some description. Star Trek games could have a Star Trek soundtrack. Fantasy adventure games, you know, you could literally put on the Lord of the Rings soundtrack if you like. Or any soundtrack to any fantasy film that exists. Or even just some quality cinematic trailer music like something out of uh, Two Steps From Hell for example. And various other artists who are just all about the orchestral cinematic music. That would work. But for a Euro game, there's not a lot of Euro games I can think of that benefit greatly from a soundtrack in the background. But I wouldn't be opposed to it. I almost got a subscription to Sirenscape because I wanted to try it out, but it doesn't work as well. It's more for RPGs, really. But yeah, I mean, if you want to use an ambient soundtrack for any game that I'm involved with, I would gladly accept it because I think it would add to the experience. I've just not gone out of my way to find said soundtracks, although maybe I'll start experimenting more in the future. You know, when I play some solo Euro games, maybe I will just have a glance on YouTube and see if anybody's put up a random playlist that I can use. Might be good fun. I don't know. But certainly I think for an intellectual property with a established soundtrack available, readily available, it's worth looking into. Have you ever attempted any of the 10v10 or various similar challenges that people do on Facebook every now and again? No, not really. They're not they're not really for me because I have to play a lot of different games in a year. So to try and do the 10v10 challenge, which I think is play 10 games 10 times in a year, it's not that feasible for me because I have to do a lot of different games. But to be honest, it depends on the games you pick. I mean, there are some games that would be easy to play 10 times a year because they're LCGs or they're really small games. I mean, you know, I have to play Love Letter 10 times a year. Well, who can't play Love Letter 10 times a year? It's a titchy little micro game. And LCGs, I'd play them 10 times a year by default, probably, just because there would be that many expansions that come out, that means I need to play it. But I, I don't particularly go for the challenges myself. It's, it's, an, it's one of those things like people who track plays and record who won a game and that. I mean, I track plays half the time. I tend to forget to track plays most of the time, so that's why my BGG profile is not the most accurate way to gauge it. But I try to track them every now and again, but that's the most I do, really. I don't get the necessity to track, oh, I played with all these people on this day, and these were the scores, and this was first, second, third, and fourth. And I'm just like, that's too much time and effort to record that kind of information after I've played a game. Why don't we just hurry up and set up the new game? You know, rather than, and talk to each other, rather than me having to go on my phone and go beep, 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 beep for about 10 minutes trying to put in all these stats. But, you know, the... The challenges are interesting to see from other people's perspectives because they don't have to play as many games as I do a year or they probably don't get the means to play as many games. So the challenge for them is probably a bit more useful, especially when they might only have, say, 20 games in their collection. So 10 games is already half their collection and they need to get it out to the table more. Fine, not a problem. But 
Nah, I've not really gone for them myself. It's not something I'm looking to do either. I mean, I've got enough on my plate when it comes to playing games in the channel. I don't really need an additional criteria to try and fulfill. You know, it's just not really my sort of thing. Right, I think I'll leave it there. I'm out of questions. So, uh, yeah, by all means, submit more questions to me and I will answer them on the next few podcast episodes. But thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode to give you a bit of an update behind the scenes and some weird stuff I've played and just some more cues. You know, just to see that I am still here. You know, the podcast is still around. It's just been a little bit hard to get it out with the whole, you know, shelf-by-shelf video, but that's coming to a close soon. So by the end of June, I'd like to hope to have the shelf-by-shelf videos all wrapped up. So that leaves July with some spare time. But then by the end of the July and during it, I need to prepare for the top 100. Yes, the top 100 will come back for another year. I need to update my list. I need to get it ranked on PubMePull. And then I need to figure out how I'm going to do the videos because... What format will I do it in this time? You know, batches of 10, batches of 20, run through the entire list in one big thing. Do I do pictures? Do I do literally just tell about the games and not worry about the pictures and that? Because bear in mind, these take a long time to do. So I need to come up with a format that's quicker and easier to do rather than make it like a full top 10 fledged thing. Do I do them live? You know, if I've got live streaming back up then, do I record the top 100 live and talk about games there? Who knows? I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but obviously come late July and early August, I'm going to have to get that into, you know, airing on YouTube. So quite a bit coming up. But uh, yeah, at least you know what's going on in my life. Other than that, I'm just basically getting through the last stages of isolation as much as I can. We're still working from home. Still no record of when I'm going to get the hairdressers open. My hair is all over the shop. I'm sure you've seen in my YouTube videos that my hair is getting to the point of being uncontrollable. And I'm doing some slight changes in my diet to try and make up for the fact of less exercise. Like I've given up bread, pretty much. I don't have eggs on toast every morning now. Um, I'm trying to find alternative breakfasts. And I'm enjoying more smoothies. So green smoothies, some fruit breakfast smoothies, that kind of thing. Not going over the top, because obviously you've got to watch the sugar even though it's natural sugar. But, you know, I'm I'm trying to make changes to my diet. And I've even stopped doing HelloFresh, you know, because it was too expensive and it was too calorific, some of those meals. But I've got some recipes that I can adapt. And now I'm cooking for myself like I did before. So, you know, life continues on. Anyway, that's it for me. I'm going to sign off and get a quick snack before I'm going to get back to some work. I will hope to get this podcast released today, in fact. I will edit it this afternoon after work, or sorry, this evening, and I'll get it uploaded as quick as possible because I need to keep the daily content up and I haven't got any more shelf-by-shelf videos recorded. So, you know, I will do this one very quickly for you guys. But yeah, just take care of yourselves, everybody. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to me on soundcloud.com or subscribe to me on YouTube to get more podcast episodes. People have asked me about Spotify. I will look into that when I've got a moment. But yes, if I can put these on Spotify, that might be a good advantage. And, you know, as always, subscribe to the channel if you can. Check out the Patreon, even if it's just a dollar a month. If a thousand of you put in a dollar a month, the amount of upgrades I'd be able to do for the channel would be obscene. You know, it's not a lot of money each month, but then obviously I'm not forcing you to spend money, so that's entirely your decision. But find me on Twitter, find me on Facebook, find me whatever, just find me somewhere in this world and get in touch. It's great to hear from you guys. Your support at this particular time especially is greatly, greatly appreciated. So 
Take care, stay safe, support each other. That's what we're here for, to support each other mainly. And I'll speak to you on the next Broken People podcast. Take care, and remember, it's only a game. Thank you all for listening to my content, and I hope it was enjoyable for you. If you want to catch me at other sources, then there's plenty to choose from. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find me at all of these places. Just search for The Broken Meeple on Facebook and you will find me. Same for Instagram. On Twitter, you can catch me at The Broken Meeple. On YouTube, just search for The Broken Meeple and you will find my channel for the videos about top tens, reviews, solo walkthroughs, and all sorts of other things besides. Of course, you can subscribe to this podcast via the RSS feed on soundcloud.com. This is where episodes will be posted in the future as well as audio-only feeds on YouTube. The Broken Meeple is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. As always, remember my motto, it's only a game.